Welcome to Thank You for the Podcast. I am Alex, and I'm here with Brian. Hello, Brian. Hello, Alex. We're on a different podcast now. We are on a different podcast. Uh, (laughs) You may or may not recognize us as the hosts of the Zeitgeist Lab Collection podcast. Um, If you do, surprise, you're finding us here. Uh, This this episode, we're doing kind of a a crossover or a swap. Um, So we are going to be hosting an episode of Thank You for the Podcast and the normal, normal hosts of this podcast, this fine podcast. In fact, the only My Chemical Romance podcast on the entire internet, Frank and Toes. Yeah, that's true. They keep saying it. I have no reason to doubt them. It's it's the only sure. one. So after today, you and I can say we've been hosts on the only podcast about My Chemical Romance on the entire World Wide Web. That'll ever exist, too, because the, there's no such thing as a future in podcasts. Exactly. It, the, yeah. And no one wants to talk about My Chemical Romance. Only Frank and Toes are the only two people in the world who give a shit about this band. So I'm yep. confident to say that this will be the, the only opportunity we ever have to talk about My Chemical Romance on the internet. Um, they are going to be hosting an episode of our podcast. I have no idea when... Well, I know when ours will come out. I don't know when this, what you're listening to right now, will come out because they release with such irregularity. It could be <laughs> it could be the year 2025 by the time you hear this. I don't know. Um, but yeah, definitely... Maybe a couple more people will, will figure out who My Chemical Romance is by then. Maybe. I mean, supposedly they got back together. And I mean, maybe if by the time this is released, they're actually back together because the pandemic is over or something, people will actually know who this band is. They're very little... Little known band, I'm sure that anyone who's listening right now, it's just a complete educational experience for them. Um, okay, so yeah, they're doing one of our episodes, so be sure to check that out um, because we'd, we'd rather you listen to our podcast if I'm being completely honest. So this is like... Yeah, I was going to say, um, if you recognize our voices, how dare you listen to a different podcast? Right, you better have listened to our podcast before you listen to this one. And if yeah, you, absolutely. If you, if you don't recognize our voices, the last two and a half minutes should already convince you to turn this off, go and find Zeitgeist Lab Collection on Podbean or wherever fine podcasts are found and listen to that and then come back to this podcast. Yeah, if you want to hear this lovely, lovely voice talk about things that actually matter, Go listen to our podcast. I mean, what are you doing? Right? Jesus. <laughs> okay, so we got that out of the way. Um, I don't. What should we talk about off the top? Like, it feels weird. I like. I want to try to stay true to what I've heard of Thank You for the Podcast by Frank and Toes. I don't think they get right into it, much like we don't. So I feel like we need to talk about something, but I also think it would be in bad form to presume that anyone listening knows anything that we normally talk about. So... Right. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been a minute since we podcasted. It's been like at least a whole four or five days, like this whole yeah. week. Yeah. It's you been... and I we talked on Saturday very briefly. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I know. I feel like uh, the the hosts, the normal hosts of this podcast, are usually high when they do this. And if I'm yeah. wrong, my apologies. Yeah, wanna... But I think they are. Are you high? I was, yeah. I was going to say, do we want to take my temperature here? <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, I'm I'm continuing my streak of doing the pod high. I okay. think we're going on three episodes strong now. Um, I'm smoking roaches tonight because I don't have enough weed for a whole blunt here, so I'm smoking the roaches that um, 
I accidentally put into a clear bowl that was that used to be pasta. So these are a little gross right now. So I'm there's it's a very gross situation on my end right tonight. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. I'm yeah. uh, I'm not a weed smoker, so I I've heard the term roaches. I don't know what that means necessarily. When you say you've got a bowl that was for pasta, I don't know how much of that is weed jargon. Um, no, okay. <laughs> so I, I was literally okay. So in my room, I have I have a clear bowl, like for food that I was eating pasta out of, and um and. In my room, I also have an ashtray that's like slightly smaller and also clear. Okay. And I throw my the the roaches, which are discarded blunts, basically. Okay. Like, I don't I don't smoke all the way down to the filter, right? Necessarily each time. So what's left over is called a roach. Okay. And I accidentally tossed all of the roaches into the salad or into the pasta bowl. Okay. So I'm smoking those now. Oh, okay. Because um, because I'm I don't have enough weed for an entire blunt. Okay. So I'm, I'm smoking the leftovers basically. Well, you, you need to go visit the weed man, right? Like you just got that yeah, stimulus tomorrow. check. You need okay. Yeah, you got the stimulus check over the weekend, right? And you haven't you haven't gone and spent all that yet? No, not yet. I'm working on it. Okay. Well. I, I bought so, a bunch of uh, needless, needless things already today. So, ooh, what did uh, anything good? Uh, a couple records, a couple tapes. You know, tapes. Stuff. Yeah, I got. I have a cassette deck in my room. Nice. So I, 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 I listen to a lot of tapes. Okay. I bought an. I bought an album on tape that I already have on vinyl because I'm, I'm a fucking nerd with a disposable income now. So, <laughs> what uh, what album did you purchase? Um, Pony by Orville Peck. Um, do you uh, do you know him? No. I, now that we're not on our own podcast, I can admit that I don't know like ninety percent of the things you talk about on our podcast. <laughs> like I, I most of the time, I'm just pretending to know anything you're talking about, unless you're talking about like drive-through records or uh, pop punk or something like that. So I'm I'm a total poser, <laughs> and I can admit that because this isn't my podcast. <laughs> I don't see the difference in. Like you can't admit that on the, on our regular show, huh? No, no, I won't. In fact, no, if but... anyone tries to call me on that on our show, I will deny it. I will go <laughs> full Donald Trump, call it fake news. It never happened. I know everything about everything except for right now. Okay, so here's something I've been dying to know more about. So you've hinted on the last two on the last two episodes that you were in a rap group. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's uh, let's hear more about that. Like, I mean, I don't really. I've been meaning to press you about this on on, on pod before. Uh, like, you casually mentioned it on the on the last episode with Mark Tio. Right. So yeah, we didn't really have the time to dissect that. Got but, it now. Yeah. So yeah, for for anyone listening that's uh, just a fan of, thank you for the pod. Uh, we on our podcast is like Guys Lab uh, on, I believe. Within the last couple of weeks, we talked to Mark Tio at length about a drive-through records compilation. During that time, I did mention I have I had a rap group in high school. I mean, there's not much to say. It was just me and another white dude, and we would get together in his uh, parents' basement uh, when his parents <laughs> weren't home because these were you know very explicit lyrics. And uh, Ooh. Uh, so, what was the group called? It's called G Rig. 
G rig. Yeah, G hyphen rig. R I G. Where does that name come from? I don't know. My my friend's the one that came up with it. He wanted to originally call it the Magical Bong Squad, uh, but I thought that was pretty the stupid. Magical Bong Squad? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and he also wanted to call us Loaded Chamber, and okay. I, I thought hard. that one was okay, but he settled that's on G-Rig, so. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah you, you definitely settled for the worst one. <laughs> And originally there were three of us, but one guy dropped out almost immediately. It started like in our, our gym class in high school. We would just write rap lyrics. <laughs> I'm just picturing you I'm just picturing you writing rap lyrics during gym class. Like you're like <laughs> mid-sentence and you get hit in the face with, with a dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> so yeah, I was a rapper. My rap name was Doggy Beans. <laughs> This just gets better and better, man. It does, right? And uh, my beans. yeah, my partner's name was Uncle Reggie. Uncle Reggie and Doggy Beans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, what kind of rap was it? Like, did it sound like the Beastie Boys or like, or what? Like, what? Uh, no, I didn't. What kind of style were you going for? Uh, again, this is uh, this presupposes that I would know how to describe a style of rap. His style of rap was to just kind of. I mean, I guess now you might call it mumblecore, but he was just like mumbling. He was, he's not musical at all. So he was very off the beat, off rhythm. Okay. Um, and he, but he was very uh, much more, uh, his lyrics were much more descriptive. So he had very, like a lot of imagery in his lyrics that could, like very cringy imagery because, um, you know, these sure. were explicit lyrics again. And mine was just, I was trying to be Eminem basically, but not succeeding. <laughs> amazing so he had he had these really descriptive lyrics but he was mumbling all of them yeah basically and we put out two albums in high school and i'm amazed that we did not get suspended um because we, we probably should have for distributing these kinds of things at, at high school not that it was necessarily like illegal but again very r-rated and you've got to understand in utah uh Right. Like, most of the kids are Mormon LDS. They don't want to hear that, and if they caught wind of that, they may, you know, tell the teacher or authorities or whatever. Um, and and yet we we made it out of that unscathed. Wow, <laughs> you didn't get canceled. That's good. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> okay, so uh, staying trying to stay true to thank you for the podcast. I've noticed that it seems like in every episode. Frank offers up some sort of spoiler for the show Supernatural. Uh, I guess she just assumes that no one cares if they just spoil this show for them. So I was trying to think, is there a TV show that we can spoil for listeners? I don't like, are you a big TV person? I am actually. Yeah. Okay. What is there a, um, like a show right now that you could spoil just to, you know, say fuck you to, to the listener. Like I feel like they do when they just start ooh. going off about what happens in the series finale of, of Supernatural. Um, See, I don't watch a lot of new shows. Okay. I just kind of like old shows. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, um, I think the last show I watched all the way through is BoJack Horseman. Ooh, okay. I, I got through like the first few seasons and I thought it was. I thought the first few were decent, but then it just got kind of samey to me, so I never, I never finished. Really? No, yeah. no way. it gets better with each season. Does it? Okay. Yeah. What was the last season you saw? 
Oh, I don't know. This was, it was probably back in 2016 that I was watching it. Uh, so, and I probably caught up. So whatever that would have been, I just never watched once they released new ones after that. Um, so did you see him not win an Oscar? Uh, I mean, it's been like almost five years now. I don't really remember a lot of the plot points. Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar then. Okay. Um, but I don't, if you want to spoil that one, I, I don't care. I, my thing is I love spoilers. It's really good. I I think it's really good. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll spoil that one. Um, so in the last season he goes to rehab and then he eventually goes to jail and then his agent marries her assistant. Okay. And the last episode is him and everyone at her wedding like the cat lady. Okay. She she marries um, her assistant, and um, let's see what else happens. It's pretty unremarkable, actually. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for spoiling a, a very unremarkable series finale. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really it's pretty powerful if you watch the whole thing. Yeah, that's why I remember reading reviews of it and kind of getting that the gist that that was the idea. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, very good show, though. Very, very, very good show. Okay, all right. Well, there's a recommendation, BoJack Horseman. There's a spoiler. Uh, so I feel like we've done our duty there. So is there anything else you want to talk about off the top? Uh, if not, I have a story I want to tell that will will lead us somewhere. Okay, yeah, let's hear that. Okay, so I know it's like, it's a few, like Christmas was last month, but I have a story about Christmas. So Brian, have you ever... Uh, heard of the tradition like the elf on the shelf yeah i've heard of it yeah so uh, for for listeners who may not be aware the, the basic overview is santa this bastard who thinks he can judge children on whether they're good or bad has these scout <laughs> elves who he sends uh, every night uh, they show up in different places around the house to watch the children throughout the day you know some of the rules are they can't talk and you're not supposed to touch them right so coincidentally, very odd, like we, my son and daughter do Elf on the Shelf, um, but very oddly, last month, as we were preparing for Christmas, <clears throat> one day, I discovered that our elf didn't show up overnight, but instead, Jesus Christ's elf showed up. Now, you may not know Ooh. that Christ has an Elf on the Shelf, but he does. Okay. So... So the elf on the shelf is basically, a, it's like Santa's snitches, right? Yeah, and Santa wants to make sure that Jesus is still being a good boy. Like we, I know that a lot of Christians just assume that Jesus is perfect or whatever, but Santa's not so sure. So he's got to, he sends this elf to, to watch over Jesus every night. Okay. And uh, so I, I come down in the morning and I see this, this elf. I'm like, what the fuck? This isn't our elf. This is very clearly Jesus's elf. And I don't want to get into all the details of how I can tell it's Jesus's elf, but it is. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> so I see the elf, it's Jesus's elf. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And the elf, like usually when you find the elf, he or she is just kind of stationary. They don't move. You're not allowed to touch them. But this elf was kind of wriggling about like he had woken up, like he, he needed to get back to sleep, basically. Okay. So <clears throat> breaking all the rules, I, I you know, pick him up and I, I rock him, or some might say that I lull him. 
to sleep, <laughs> to get him to sleep, right? And right at this moment, my, my son comes in and he sees what's going on. He says, dad, who is that? What are you doing? And I just turned to him and I said, Savior's elf, I lulled him back. Oh no. I had to think really hard about that. I've been trying for like the last week to figure out something. This is obviously a hallmark of uh, the podcast from which I feel we've spun off, uh, Blink-155. We don't do the, the pun thing on our show, but I've noticed that uh, Toes tries to fit one in when they do it. So I thought I would give it give it the old college try here. And that, that was a long, yeah. long-ass story to have to tell to get there. But as soon as I figured out Savior's Elf... I thought, okay, I've got something. <laughs> Savior's Elf. Wow. So that is the song we're here to talk about this week um, from My Chemical Ram- Romance, from the Danger Days album. Save Yourself, I'll Hold Them Back. So let's start with the band in general. Brian, is is this a band you care about? Is this a band you like, enjoy? What are, what are your thoughts yeah. on MCR? I actually do. Like, I celebrate this band's entire discography. Okay. Um, I like. I've kind of noticed that there's like, like in in quote unquote emo, or this kind of take on emo. There's like the big three. There's Fall Out Boy, MCR, and Panic the Disco. Mm-hmm. I think it's right. like to say that's like the big three in contemporary emo. I guess if you want to call it that. Um. And I think they're easily the best band, for sure. Out of those three? Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. Do you Um, think that, I mean, I would agree that those have been seen as the big three. Um, Do you feel like MCR is more of a, you know, one of these things is not like the others? Like, I I don't really, I find it weird to lump them in with Fall Out Boy and Panic! at the Disco. Um, I mean, they're all sonically pretty different from each other. But, um... I would agree that Michael McGrath is definitely the most unique of the three. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like, those are the three bands that I hear the most about yeah. when it comes to, like, emo or whatever. So I've always lumped the three in my head. Okay. And, yeah, I think they're the, I think they're easily the best, for sure. I mean, I'm glad they only made four albums because they didn't really get a chance to fall off, in my opinion. Okay. I think this might be their weakest album, the the Danger Days thing. Um, but that I, I think that's like everyone has a different opinion on that, right? Um, Did, were you into them from the beginning then, um, or yeah, when they first kind of blew up with um, Three Cheers for Revenge? I think that's what is that what it's called? Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, that one they kind of blew off off of um, I'm Not Okay, right? Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I kind of followed them. I, I didn't I didn't like I wasn't obsessed with this band ever. Okay. Like the, the, I I didn't really obs- I didn't I don't think I owned any of the CDs. But I always enjoyed like the albums just from a, like from a casual like perspective. Like when this band like really blew up, I was getting into hardcore and like all other sorts of underground music. Yeah. So I didn't really like. I, this wasn't like my thing, you know. Like this wasn't 
like my band or anything like that but um I, yeah I, I definitely always appreciated them for sure okay yeah i didn't like i still have, i've never listened to their first album i brought you i brought you my bullets you brought me your love never listened to it uh three cheers for sweet revenge i mean i've heard i'm not okay uh helena or helena however you say that one and then uh the one song that i listened to uh, when i guessed it on this podcast before that's not one i ever really got into either but i i I did listen to the Black Parade. I enjoyed that one. And um, I really like Danger Days. For me, that's my favorite of the two because the other two I'd never really listened to. So I, I really enjoyed uh, Danger Days. And for me, actually, this uh, the song we're talking about today is probably probably my favorite My Chemical Romance song. Really? Yeah. So I was excited when uh, on the list that they gave us to choose from, this song was on there because this is probably my favorite one. And I... I I don't know why. Uh, maybe I just like to be contrarian. Well, I mean, I know I like to be contrarian. I don't. I have no yeah, idea if this is a fan favorite or popular. I have a feeling it's not because I couldn't find any live videos of this song. But uh, I really like this song. Hmm. So, what do you like about this? Because I thought this is one of the weak. Because I was I listened to the album today, or okay. like bits and pieces of the album. Because I because I listened to the song a bunch of times, like outside of the album, just on its own. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "This is not that great. This is definitely one of the weaker tracks here." And the and then then I listened to it in the context of the album a couple times just to see if I was missing anything. And like, I feel like, um, yeah, in the context of the record itself, it sounds a little better. Okay, it sound um, but it still stands out as one of the weaker tracks. I think. What um, what for you makes it weak? What would like. I mean, I guess to like, I don't know, like it's all opinion, but I'm interested yeah. in what you what think, you're hearing. Yeah, I think on this album they, they kind of take a, a, a lot of risks. Okay, I would agree with that. And they kind of like double down on their classic rock influences on this album. I think they're trying to go for a David Bowie thing on some of these songs, and um, um, I think this song in particular, they kind of didn't really know what to do with it. Okay. And yeah, but um, so that's why on its own, it didn't really stand out to me because it's like, it just sounded like a throwaway track almost. But then in the context of the record um, and sort of dissecting more of like the overall influences that they were going through, it kind of made a little more sense. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think I what I really like about it are I mean, Gerard Way, I think, is an incredible singer, and I think a lot of the, a lot, if not all of the songs he sings, he puts a lot of emotion into, but I just felt like the way he sings this chorus in particular has always really stuck with me. Um, and I don't I don't know why, like, the lyric, I'm the only friend that makes you cry, you're a heart attack and black hair die, I think... I think some of them are very uh, clever and it's, it's just like very evocative of, um, yeah. I guess maybe the emo aesthetic that they're known for, for sure, influencing yeah. and being a part of. And I guess I, I appreciate that been more self-aware on this album. Yeah, I would say, I would agree with way. that. Um, yeah, but like, I, I really like this, especially at the last chorus, uh, he gets really, uh, where he says, we can live forever if you've got the time, you motherfuckers. And like, I just, the way his voice <laughs> carries through that and it, it's so emotive and it almost feels cathartic when he sings that line. I don't know what for the catharsis sure, yeah. is for, but like to me, it, it all leads up to, to that last chorus. And when he gets to that and 
I, it has a guitar solo. And so the thing with me and guitar solos is I like them, but they need to be tastefully done, not overstated. And I think this one, it's short, it's to the point, but it's still very technically proficient. And I think it, it, it adds to the song. I think with a good solo, um, unless you're, you know, uh, I, I want to say programmed, but if you are the type of person who notices guitar work and appreciates it, you'll notice a guitar solo, right? But I think a good guitar solo, the average person doesn't realize that what they're liking right in that moment is a guitar solo. But if it were missing, you, I don't like, you would notice that something was different about the song and you would then appreciate what is missing. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So um, I, I just think they kind of hit, for me, they kind of checked all the boxes of what I think they can do really well. And yeah, I agree that it, it may not be their best work, but maybe it's their most, to me, their most efficient work. So this, is, this stands out to you more than anything on the Black Parade then? So the Black Parade, I mean, there's some great songs on there. Um, the other... I think the other song that they had offered to have us do was um, I Don't Love You Like I Loved You Yesterday, um, which is probably my favorite one from the the Black Parade. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, both albums have great songs. I still always prefer this one uh, to that one. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I, I guess I can't <laughs> account for taste. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of thought you would have the contrarian opinion of this being a good song and then Danger <laughs> Days being their best album. Okay. And, and then, and then the, the, the almost contrarian experience of having never listened to um, the previous two albums. <laughs> yeah. I would say that's probably contrarian. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're a fan of this podcast, you may have heard my guest spot, so I don't want to get too much into it. But the only reason I ever listened to MCR in the first place was because their song Dead was featured on um, one of the editions of Rock Band or maybe Guitar Hero. And I was like, oh, hey, that's a cool <laughs> song. I guess maybe now I'll check out this album. And I listened to it and I was like, yeah, this is decent. Like, I never fell in love with The Black Parade. I thought, yeah, this is a good album. Some really good guitar work. Uh, some of the guitar stuff reminded me of Queen, Brian May's work. And then this album came out, and I picked it up because I, I did enjoy the Black Parade enough. I actually do own the physical CD of Danger Days, and I was like, oh, shit, I, I actually really like this album. This version of them is what I appreciate. Yeah, like, so what kind of direction do you think they're going for with this album? I, I mean, I think, like you said... It just it's um, the the biggest risk taken. I think that um, with everything you look at with Black Parade, there was this aesthetic. I mean, every every one of their albums had an aesthetic, right, and a concept. So that they didn't move away from this idea of being a concept band from album to album. But I think mm. that um, with Three Cheers and then going into Black Parade, it all fit into what would have at the time been like the quote-unquote emo aesthetic um and especially with the like a lot of the theatrical stuff with black parade the costumes i feel like that's where i see them link to panic at the disco the most was the theatrics of the black parade and the shows they put on along with that more so than the music and i feel like with this while there was still a concept there was an aesthetic the comic book came out with it i feel like it was in defiance of all of that it was like okay you think that our aesthetic and what we do is emo whatever that is and lots of people define that different ways but i think they kind of turned that on their head and they said okay we defy you 
to call this emo because it's uh, it's it's almost likely not within that realm and i think that's what they were going for because i know that gerard way hates that label emo and i think this was in defiance to that Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of funny that he hates the label emo when like i think they're the first band anyone thinks of when you say emo now I, i would agree um so that's kind of his fault but yeah i totally agree that like they definitely kind of turned the notion of them being an emo band on their head with this album because like not only do they create like a whole concept they created like a whole universe it seems like right that's ingrained in the album like you know you have like the the intro like look alive sunshine and like that that radio dj who kind of pops up from here and yeah. here and there on the album um which I think is really cool. Um, and like all the bright colors that they're using too. And like from like pictures from that era, you know, like I, I, I recall it being notice, noticeably brighter in their like approach to making these songs and presenting themselves as a band. Well, I would just wonder if that is again to try to get more, um, to be more mainstream, maybe. I think that. Obviously, they got a lot of mainstream uh, notice with Black Parade, especially the title track, Welcome to the Black Parade. That was on all sorts of radio stations. But I think a lot of people that maybe dug deeper, and now I'm just speaking for myself, because at the time when uh, Black Parade came out, I, I didn't get it. I thought the title track was stupid. I explored the band a little bit and thought, oh, this is a goth band, and that I didn't feel like that was for me. It felt like a... Uh, it just it didn't feel mainstream enough for me. I, I'm a very normie type person, I guess, and I think that. <laughs> uh, and they and they they did amass a lot of popularity to their credit and it deserved because it, it uh, the Black Parade was a great album. But I think again, this was maybe an attempt to one flip the notion of what they are on on its head, and two to maybe to see if they could broaden their scope. Um, because like I mean, if you if you buy into my idea of the Black Parade being you know, gothic. This is, again, quite the opposite of that because, like you said, bright colors, bright aesthetic. Um, it, it's just, it's the polar opposite. And I think it has all the things to keep their their diehard fans from their first two or three albums, but also to ex- expand the fan base, which um, whether or not they were successful, I, I don't I don't know. They broke up after this. I, I mean, I know the one single sing seemed to be very big at the time. It was on a lot of radio stations. But uh, yeah, that I mean, I guess that's my assessment of what this album uh, tried to accomplish yeah i don't know if they ever tried to be a mainstream band but i I think they definitely embraced a lot more uh, mainstream influences on this record for sure yeah like they don't feel like a punk band or like a punk adjacent band or even they are definitely not a goth band i wish they were a goth band like a side note like all the music i've been listening to lately is either mf doom or goth music Okay. That's that's just where I'm at. So I I, I wish this was a goth band. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I when I say goth band, I certainly don't mean in sound, but like I think aesthetically, just kind of like that creepy. Yeah, movie. like the hot topic. Kind yeah, of thing. exactly. When that was like spooky. Right. Yeah. yeah it's like not spooky. Okay. Um. um so should we go through the lyrics then? I feel like the, they typically go through the lyrics. and Oh, yeah. Luckily, we have uh, we finally are talking about a song where there are people invested in what these 
bands have to say instead of drive-through records where no one's notated a goddamn thing on a single drive-through song I've ever pulled up on Genius. So. <laughs> okay, so intro. Are y'all ready where you are? Are y'all ready where you are? Are y'all ready where you are? Is it really y'all? I don't know. When I see y'all, it evokes a very different aesthetic than anything that MCR has ever done, but uh, we can leave that for now. Okay, so then it says, nah, 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 nah. And someone has annotated, nah, is a pretty common filler on the album. There's even a whole song of them. Okay. That is true. That is true. That is a bona fide fact. So, okay. So I guess they're saying that nah is a, a motif of this album. Nah, nah. I don't know. Okay. All right. So verse one, right now, I hope you're ready for a firefight because the devil's got your number tonight. So the annotation says that Danger Days is set in a futuristic California where our heroes fight against the government. That's apt oh, for, for what we've got that's going pretty on. Relevant. Right yeah, that's, that's very relevant. Very like dicey. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> fight against the government and their corporations. Here the speaker urges us to prepare for an attack. The Devil's Got Your Number would refer to how the band was found by BLI, which I guess is the government, and must now stand and fight. This was how they all died, as seen in the comic series and music video. So there are comic books based off of this, huh? Yes. Huh, I did not know that. Might have to get, might have to read into that a little yeah, more. I tried finding them just like in my local library because I didn't want to pay fucking money for it, but it doesn't seem like at least <laughs> the library around here has this. Okay, so the next lyric, they say we're never leaving this place alive, but if you sing these words, we'll never die. Here Gerard is trying to convey that people will tell you you are worthless and it will make you want to die. However, if you are singing these songs, it is more than likely apparent as to what Gerard is trying to convey. Consequently, what he is trying to say throughout the rest of the song is purely an attempt to influence the band's fans to stay alive and conquer oppression. The wording of this line seems almost as if it is implying these people are threatening the fans are sorry these people that are threatening the fans are the demons in their heads demons are often characterized as the fears that make you depressed gerard could possibly be directing the attack on your depression and not the not the others who invoke it okay so this is where i start to get annoyed uh, that people spend so much time writing on genius i feel like i spent two minutes reading something and learned almost nothing yeah I mean, all I learned is that Gerard does not want his fans to be depressed. Do, do you think Gerard gives a fuck if we're depressed? No. Do those lyrics mean anything to you? I never really get my no, I mean, I, I mean, I always just figured it had something to do with the concept, and I've never tried to delve into the concept too much. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, so the chorus, we can leave this... So the chorus, I think, is where the song really shines. I think the verse is well done i think um, but the, again the chorus is where i really buy into this song the chorus he says we can leave this world leave it all behind we can steal this car if your folks don't mind we can live forever if you've got the time and judo big dog says he's saying that he and whoever it is that he's talking about should spend the rest of time with each other and forget about everything else because it doesn't matter anymore hmm um, 
I always thought the lyric, we can steal this car if your folks don't mind. I thought it was, we can steal this car if it fucks them up. So actually, I think I don't like the song as much knowing that I was wrong about the lyrics because I <laughs> I like the, we can steal this car if it fucks them up. It seems more rebellious. Like, I only want to steal this car if it's going to fuck up someone else's day, basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole re- that's the whole reason you steal a car. Right. Like, we can steal this car if your folks don't mind. If your folks don't mind is it really stealing i mean i guess it depends who they're stealing the car from yeah well i mean if they get pulled over it's grand theft auto regardless because if it's not their registration or license attached to the vehicle that's true i mean this seems like a post-apocalyptic do you think they're really going to be charging for grand theft auto yeah i don't know that's that's, see like i don't know how much of these lyrics actually connect to this post-apocalyptic like world that they're creating with this like arena rock or whatever. What do you think about concept albums? Is it, is it ever executed perfectly? I mean, obviously a lot of bands have done it and obviously with anything, some do it better than others, but I guess maybe in the end, I just never, I never got the idea of the concept album. I like the songs, but I've never tried to figure out how it all ties together, nor have I cared to. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's like, um, it, it, most more often than not, it seems very convoluted and like, um, just really just kind of like the 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 rock star ego thinking they're you know like the the concept album is something that, that usually comes later on in, in a in a artist career, so it's it makes sense that this particularly high concept. But all of MCR's albums are concept albums. Yeah, but this one's a big, this one's particularly high. Okay, I think um, you know because they're they 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 set out to create a whole world, you know, right? Like like the whole po- post apocalyptic theme, and then the fact that there are co- entire comic books written. That's true. Yeah, I mean, definitely a more uh, in depth concept. All right, yeah. just, okay, the last thing I want to see is, because I mentioned these lyrics, I want to see the annotations on, okay, I'm the only friend that makes you cry. He's the only one who won't sugarcoat it, even though it's not what you want to hear. He understands what you're going through, but you have to pull yourself out of it. Find a way past it through the blood, sweat, and tears, whatever it takes. And then the next lyric, you're a heart attack in black hair dye. This line could be referring to Gerard Way's wife, Lindsay, who has naturally brown hair. Or it could be referring to Gerard Way himself, who dyed his hair black for a long time. Here, heart attack is being used as a metaphor for love, as if your love for someone was so strong that it stopped your heart. Alternatively, could be talking about how the band's fans often look a certain way. Heart That's attack here. Yeah. yeah, to me, I think it's, it just evokes the aesthetic of a lot of the fans. Yeah. Heart attack here would be referring to how the fans scare people, relating them back to the <laughs> My Chem song, Teenagers. <clears throat> And I think it's worth noting at this point that I'm pretty sure Teenagers is uh, the favorite song of both Frank and Toes. So I know they'll appreciate me saying that, but I just want to go on record as saying that Teenagers is their favorite MCR song. Huh. That, is a, that is a pretty good one. Um, yeah, but like going back to the concept thing, mm-hmm. I feel like the concept album always comes later, like later on in, in an artist's career. Okay. Um, like it makes sense that this like high concept was their last album. Yeah, for now. 
We'll see yeah. if they put anything else out. For sure, yeah. Okay, I mean, I feel like, uh, okay, I think this is a perfect spot actually to plug our own Patreon, patreon.com slash zglabpod. You can go there for $3 a month. You can listen to us ramble on about a whole bunch of shit. One of those episodes in particular, we talk about our 10 favorite albums each of all time. And Brian, uh, not to give anything away, but I know at least one of the albums on there was a concept album, if not more, at least uh, from your list. So I guess I would ask you now, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, whatever. I feel like you said that the Tyler, the creator one was somewhat of a concept album. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, maybe the answer is obvious since that was on your list of top 10, but what would you say is the best concept album that you can think of? And conversely, can you think of a good, like an example of a poorly executed concept album? Yeah. Um, probably the best one would be, um, Ziggy Stardust, maybe. Inspired okay. from Mars. That I okay. think would be the best one. Um, which I hear like similar vibes in this album. Yeah, you mentioned song. Bowie earlier, and I wasn't sure if you meant that negatively or not, because you kind of mentioned that right after talking about how you, you didn't care for this album much. I personally am not a big Bowie fan. Oh, really? No, I love him. Okay. Um, and then, I don't know, um, for bad, um, probably Mechanical Animals by Marilyn Manson. Okay. Even though that's a really good album, it just never struck me as like a concept album, like it's not, it seemed like his version of Ziggy Stardust where he created a character and he was that character. And in the end, he was just, you know, like a little freakier than usual for that, like for that album rollout okay. or whatever. Yeah. Where, um, you know, he had, he had the, the dope show video where he's like, where he's wearing that weird suit, you know? And Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, or actually, no, actually, no, I changed my answer to, um, actually, no, I changed my best answer to Chris Gaines. Okay. You know who Chris Gaines Chris is, Gaines, right? Garth Brooks, right? Yes, exactly. That's okay. The That's the best one. Okay. I, I'm not, I hate country music. I hate Garth Brooks. So I never listened to that, <laughs> but I feel like it was widely panned by everyone. Yeah, no, I've, I've actually never heard it, but I just, I just wanted, I just wanted to get an excuse to talk about Chris Gaines. On, okay. Because how often is that going to come up? Probably never. Like I, when you exactly. first said it, I had to think about it for a second. But yeah, sadly, I do remember <laughs> who Chris Gaines is. <laughs> yeah, they were supposed to be, um, like he was supposed to have like his own movie, like like a, a thriller. Oh really? Chris, yeah, it was it was supposed to follow that album. But it was huh. so bad at it. They, they shelved it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I missed yeah. that, that little soul patch of his. Oh, that was good. It's probably, I, I mean, like I said, I've never listened to it, but I bet you anything I like it better than any Garth Brooks album. So Probably, yeah. Uh, so I don't know about like concept albums. I know for sure my least favorite or what I think is the worst concept album was Green Day's 21st Century Breakdown because I feel like they just tried oh, yeah. to they tried to redo American Idiot but very poorly. They're like, okay, look at us. We can be self-important and we can be political and we can make a point. And it just fell flat on its face and uh, it was just so poorly executed. 
I forget. Yeah, I forget Green Day as a band after American Idiot. <laughs> yeah, I wish that I could uh, because that was their last passable that, album. Yeah, that was that was a bad one. Uh, but um, if, as far as best concept album, like best, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too, like I said, I'm not too big into concept albums. I, I do think American Idiot was really good. I remember that was one that came out when I was in high school and I sat there with the lyric book trying to figure out, like piece everything together. Like, okay, who is, what's her name? And like, what is the significance of St. Jimmy? And like going through all the lyrics, and like in a lyric book, like it says, wake me up when September ends. And like on the lyric book, it's a journal entry that's dated like September 10th, 2001. Like, okay, so this has to play into 9-11 somehow. So that was one that I got invested in. So maybe just <laughs> by fact of that, I would call that the best concept album because it's the only one I've ever actually cared to try to figure out what was going on. And I think in the end, the answer was still nothing because the artists don't they don't bother to flesh it out. They're like, okay, here's this loose concept, but we're just going to write songs that we like and try to tie it together somehow. Yeah. Wait, so is 9-11, is that part of American Idiot? I don't think so. I can't find it anywhere else, but literally if you look in the, and I could be completely misremembering this, but I feel like I'm not. If you look in a lyric book for American Idiot, the wake me up when September ends lyric is, it looks like it's written in like a diary and the diary is dated September 10th 2001 oh so they, they maybe did that to be edgy then i think so because i mean american idiot came out like three years later yeah, yeah. green day definitely did 9-11 no uh, uh, we've settled this rx bandits did 9-11 oh, yeah, that's right yeah yeah true well i mean they had there, a hand well there were multiple planes green day could have been on the other one exactly yeah because there were the two planes at the towers, and there was the one in Pennsylvania, and there was That's the one right. that hit the Pentagon. That's right. Now, so Green Day was probably in one of them. Exactly. Now we just got to figure out who the other two bands were. That helps. <sighs> that would help. I mean, I think didn't we? I think we we figured this out with Frank and Toes. W was flying the planes into the towers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which means RX Bandits were probably in Pennsylvania because they're like the least known name out of the four names we've got here. And then I could definitely see Billy Joe flying his plane into the Pentagon rather than the Twin Towers. (laughs) No, he would never destroy New York. That's his home. Yeah, exactly. But he'd say, fuck the government. We're going straight for the Pentagon. (laughs) Am I the only one who wasn't surprised that Billy Joe wasn't storming the Capitol yesterday as like. I feel like he would storm the Capitol in protest of all governments. Obviously, he's not a Trump supporter, but he seems like someone who would just storm the Capitol on a regular basis. Yeah, Billy Joe definitely definitely has some like secret QAnon or QAnon vibes. You think sure. so? Yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, he's a boomer, so you know. Are all boomers just part of QAnon? No, no, but those. It's like one of those math problems where it's like not all boomers are QAnon, QAnon but all. QAnon on boomers. Okay. Yeah. So kind of like how uh, not all fingers are thumbs, but all thumbs are fingers, like that kind of thing. That exactly. It's that kind of uh, that like that, that that famous math problem. Yeah. <laughs> that, that math problem about thumbs and fingers. Yeah. That you know that that, <laughs> that placement test question. Yes. Okay, uh, should we get into some videos that I found that relate to this song? Oh, to the song? Yeah, I, I was I was thinking we were going to watch some 
9-11 conspiracy videos. That would be good. I think that at least Toes would really appreciate that. Maybe we'll save that for the very end. I do have some songs all here. Right. I know we're not going to get through all of these. Um, yeah, long playlist. You Jesus. Got there. Uh, okay, we'll start with a favorite from uh, our podcast, which is the piano cover. I know you love these instrument covers. For sure. It's a piano cover of Save Yourself, I'll Hold Them Back by My Chemical Piano. Channels My Chemical Piano. It's called My Chemical Piano. Oh, so they, they do all My Chemical Romance covers? Of, I would imagine. On the piano? Oh. I'll have to remember that and save that for later. All right, I mean, much like on our podcast, I instantly regret having chosen this, but there it you is. You like this? I mean, I think it's good. I just feel like it's not. There's nothing to say about it, so it makes for boring content here. Like, yeah, it's true. A, it's yeah, a, I mean, it's someone not playing like, a piano. Yeah, this is like. Yeah, I mean, I I can't tell what song they're playing. But oh, I, I like those chord changes. Though. I think this does sound nice on the piano. Yeah, it sounds nice for sure. Okay. Um, I don't know why I saved this one. This is Save Yourself, I'll Hold Them Back in E-flat major, and they've notated one semitone lower. So this is obviously some music nerds here. (laughs) Yeah, none of that means anything to me. Did you ever get into the band Fastball? Do you remember them? I remember them, but no, I never got into them. This opening guitar riff sounds a lot like um, one of the songs from... Uh, the Harsh Light of Day, I think, was the name of the album. I think maybe that's why I like the song as well, because I really liked Fastball. Do they have more than, like, those two songs, or one song? Yeah, I mean, they obviously had those really popular ones, The Way, and then oh, Out of My okay. Head, which yeah, turned into a yeah. rap song, like, five or six years ago, I feel like. Yeah. Um... I think Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, that's right. It was Machine Gun Kelly, and I think Halsey. Yeah, he's usually an accomplice in musical crimes. Okay. All right, well, that was apparently one semitone lower, but it sounded the same to me. I do not, though. Should we skip the drum cover? I know you really like drum covers. I do not like drum covers. (laughs) Um, Uh, Okay, here we go. Nightcore version? Okay, yeah. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate this one. At least it's something that sounds different. Whoever posted this said, LMAO, what do I do with my life? This is Nightcore Relapse. Also pitched it way up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that nightcore is so commonplace now, but I would love like an actual like 
I don't know who owns the rights to Alvin and the Chipmunks or who performs that, but I would love like an actual Alvin and the Chipmunks emo compilation or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure you're you're the only one that wants that too. <laughs> uh, okay, next we've got "Save Yourself." I'll hold them back. 8D audio. I, what is never- that? Let's find out. Something like sound that. really good. Is that what that means? It just sounds like because I've got headphones on. It's just very. He added a bunch of reverb, and the audio is like shifting back and forth from the right to the left. I mean, it appears to be someone who just figured out how to use the pan effect. <laughs> okay, this one, I, I've known we were doing this episode for a few weeks. I don't remember all these videos I found, but this is Dance Moms, Save Yourself, I'll Hold Them Back audio swap. Okay, so it looks like they've put the audio over a ballet performance. What? Oh, I thought this was going to be a bunch of moms dancing. Maybe they're moms. Well, maybe they are now. Some by choice, some probably not by choice. <laughs> Fair enough. Were you ever a fan of Dexter? Uh oh no, no I, wait Dexter like the, the TV theater? show. Oh no, I, I my my head immediately went to Dexter's lab and I had to pause for a second. Okay, no Dexter the TV show. No, never never yeah, saw it. Away with him. So this is some sort of leave all this behind. Season five, there was like a little romance between Dexter and this character Lumen. I could. I don't know. You could, you know. So apparently, it's just a. What was that? Is that Julia Stiles? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big crush on Julia Stiles. Big crush. Yeah. Well then, yeah, definitely check out season five of Dexter. But it seems Hell like, yeah. <laughs> seems like this is just uh, one of those clips that people who uh, ship these characters have put together to try to make us feel emotionally attached to this relationship. Oh, they they uh, they they ship these characters. They they stand them as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they cancel them. And then they cancel them. That's that's how the revolution goes. <laughs> okay. From what I understand of Twitter. From what you understand of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like man, I don't know. Was I drunk the night I found all these videos? It seems like I just found a bunch of videos of like here's a fictional relationships that we think people like set to save yourself, I'll hold them back. <laughs> Uh, I'm just trying to find one more here. If there's anything 
Okay, ambulance, and I'll hold them back. My chemical romance song mix up is that? I wonder if that's ambulance by MCR or I think it is. So this is a matchup or something? Or I don't know. I mean, I think this... I don't know the song Ambulance very well, but I'm pretty sure this is what we're listening to now. But this video is called Ambulance, I'll Hold Them Back, My Chemical Romance Song Mix-Up. Oh, okay. oh, this is just from a few months ago. Oh, it only has four views. Oh, weird. Oh, that... I mean, that sounded like shit. Mm-hmm. All it did was cut to the chorus of a different song. <laughs> Yeah, now I know why it only has four views. Okay. You know what? Fuck this. Let's see. 9-11 Conspiracy. Shane Dawson. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking for... I want, like, a conspiracy theory we've never heard before. Preferably without Shane Dawson. Cause yeah. I don't, I don't want to hear about that guy. No. I like I barely know who that is, but I, I know the face, and I want to punch the face. Well, let's go. Uh, 9-11 conspiracy. Green Day. <laughs> there we uh, go. Nothing. I don't know. I feel like we could. Okay, here. This is a two-minute video called "How Aluminum May Have Caused the Twin Towers to Collapse." Two renowned scientists, Frank Greening and Christian Simonson are challenging the official 9-11 report into the collapse of the Twin Towers. They believe that by ignoring the presence of aircraft wreckage in the fires, the report missed the true cause of the collapse, one of the most potentially explosive metals on Earth, aluminum. Softer, lighter, and more flexible than soda cans. Than steel. I feel like there are greater mysteries that can be aircraft. solved. Under normal conditions, Other than, this incredibly flexible and like, at this point, is like, safe, but in everyone's so hung up on 9-11. But why is that? We've actually talked to Frank and Toes about this, and Toes seems, well, I think both of them said this is just such a life-changing moment for for all of us, right? Oh, for sure, but, like, coronavirus is like, made it almost irrelevant at this point. Yeah, no, but we know that Obama invented that in a lab. Uh, in the oh, Wuhan province yeah. with Dr. Fauci. So, I mean, that was solved. <laughs> Is that a conspiracy that, that Obama invented it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, uh, some of my in-laws are very right-wing, and I have uh, I get the privilege of being friends with them on Facebook. And there was, oh. one, there was one that was being circulated over the summer. It's a picture of Dr. Fauci and Obama in supposedly in a lab in the Wuhan province back in 2015, I want to say. Um, they were just like in a lab observing and like, this is when they developed the coronavirus to bring down the Trump administration or whatever or something. It's like, what? So, that, and I think that is a more interesting conspiracy than 9-11 at this point, although it's full of shit, obviously. Yeah, but. yeah, that's way more interesting. <laughs> I mean, 9-11 was, I mean, life-changing in that, like, 
I mean, it's um, it's it was changing in that it gave it didn't really give birth to Islamophobia, but it definitely made things a lot worse. Right. In terms of like relations with with Muslims in this country, so. Yeah, I mean, it it's definitely, unique in that sense. But, it is, um, yeah. But wait, but I mean, the number, the amount of people that died has been, you know, dwarfed by um, coronavirus deaths. You know, like at least daily. Yeah. Yeah, on the on the regular now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Hmm. All right. Well, what are your final thoughts about Save Saviors Elf? I load them back by the band My Chemical Romance. Um. It it didn't kill as many people as coronavirus or nine eleven. Okay, so it's it better might, than nine eleven. According to the according to the lyrics, it might have saved a couple lives. Right. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess my final my final thought is that it is slightly better than nine eleven. <laughs> that's okay. I think that that may be the hottest take that you've dropped. Uh, in any of our time recordings. So I, just, to, just to prove that I'm a contrarian, despite the fact that I said I really like this song, I will say I think it's slightly worse than 9-11. Wow, okay, all right. And slightly worse than the George W. Bush administration. Ooh, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so... Few things are as, are as bad as the, the, the Bush administration. And this is one of them, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel I feel like we should have seen um, we should have stormed the studio when they were making this and stole some equipment. <laughs> stormed the studio. <laughs> yeah, see, sieged uh, the the session and stole some recording equipment and put our feet on the uh, on the console. Yeah, maybe if we had done that, our this. podcast would sound a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's all I've got. Anything else from you, Brian? No, that's all I got. I'm getting pretty tired. Cool. All right, thanks for listening. Thank you for the podcast. Our guest, Dave Winkler, the lead singer of a My Chemical Romance tribute band, The Black Charade. Dave, thank you for being here. Hi. Hello from London. Uh, how, how, I guess, where do we start? What is it like being in a tribute band? I mean, let's just get right into it because I think before you start recording, you mentioned that you weren't, maybe you didn't start this tribute band. You were one of the last members to join. How like how do you decide to be a tribute band? I guess like where do you where does a band go from we make music and we can play together to oh you know what we should just take on the personas of a, another band. For me, uh, uh, w- with the regarding the the MCR thing, it was um, very much um, a collective of musicians playing uh, who who were friends that uh, they, they kind of started it as part of the Rhythm Guitarist Club Night Face Down, which is like a, a uh, pop-punk kind of emo night uh, that, that runs uh, sort of once once a month. 
uh, on Fridays uh, in a big club in London, and they they do it nationally a little bit as well. But they uh, they just did a set to kind of test the water because no one else was doing an MCR tribute um, in in the UK, and I believe no one's still well, no one's doing any tributes at the moment because right. of lockdown. Um, it's very much a live orientated thing, so you don't really make recorded albums for tribute so there's not really much to do i mean i'm i i play original stuff and i'm i'm writing an album at the moment so luckily you know you can get your creative output in that but yeah um uh, they started that uh they had this other singer uh i've explained to the guys before we, we were recording they had that they had another another vocalist uh who left uh, left about three weeks before they were due to do their first sort of big full show. And so I had to learn 12 songs in three weeks. Um, and, yeah, it's 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 very much... I, I, I kind of see it as a, as, 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 as a kind of fun fun sort of outlet. Pe- people will show up. Uh, with, with the My Chemical thing I found, I, I, got, I got roped in from actually an Ozzy Osbourne tribute, which is very much an older crowd. Um, and what was beautiful to see is the passion that um, that that their fan, their fans, and their fan clubs kind of come and, and singing the songs back. And for maybe an hour, hour and a half, you become this this other person that's yeah. um, that's kind of quite exciting for them to see. Particularly as the band were broken up at the time, which has right. since changed, obviously. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so. So the question was, yeah, we. I mean. I, I kind of got roped into uh, an Aussie tribute before that, as I was saying, and uh, that was with some some friends who kind of thought it would be a fun way to kind of go out on weekends and kind of do shows when you know you don't make much money from playing original music unless unless you know you've you've had some kind of label interest or deal. Yeah. It's, it's it's a fun way of getting out and playing and okay. paying tribute. Paying tribute to to artists who may or may not, you know, come over and do shows themselves anymore. It's why like success at the time with uh, Mike and weren't doing anything. So so that was very much, you know, people were very passionate about coming. Gotcha. The same with some of the older bands that retired and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Does that answer the question. That, 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 that definitely <laughs> answers the question. Um, so with the tribute, because I mean, as a band, a lot of times you could just do a cover song in a set, like you cover one song from another band, a tribute band, it seems like the idea is you're taking on the personas of the band members. How, like, is there, and I think before we started talking on Mike, you mentioned there's like a theatrical element to it. How do you prepare yourself to be Gerard Way instead of being, you know, Dave Winkler? Is there, is there preparation or? Uh, Yeah, there's, um, I think, I think you've generally got a, with, regarding being the singer, with the other guys, you know, with they they have um, they have certain bits, you know, samples to tracks and things like that. And and with them, they're quite, you know, they're they're all quite active performers. Nick, particularly our bass player, is like a kind of punk rock kind of guy. But okay. it's very much about getting the the music right. When you're, I started out as a guitarist. You can see that in the background. Um, uh, but being the frontman, particularly in a tribute thing, is very much as much an acting gig in a way as it is um, a singing thing. Particularly for something theatrical, 
like my chemical romance, like, you know, I've got a friend who doesn't Alice Cooper tribute, that kind of that kind of thing where it's as much about the persona and the performance. So you've got to, yeah, uh, you, you, you've, you've kind of uh, got to get uh, got to get sucked up and in, 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 in get, get caught a little bit in the moment of... Um, being a character, there's always something in your mind where where, where there's there's a, there's a humor element, like obviously putting on putting on a, the accent and stuff like that. Because I I don't think it would work to go out and there, there and go and go. Oh, well, this is a song called "Thank You for the Venom." Thanks very much. Or, like yeah. you gotta kind of do the 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 um the vice. And I I I don't know. I I, I I try and do this general American accent because I try and go New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> I'm going a bit Bugsy Malone or something. Bad guys or whatever. And it's like, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, yeah. Just 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 the higher range that he speaks in and the kind of. Okay, so yeah. even yeah. Like, even in between songs, like when you're you're vamping or riffing or whatever, you still try to maintain like the the voice and the the illusion I guess or I try and try and stay in character and and then if I don't I kind of make a joke of it a little bit yeah. um <laughs> this is my real voice by the way if you couldn't guess that kind of thing but yeah. um but we uh, yeah I very much I came from it from a point of view where I'm 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 40 years old so I I sort of I wasn't one of one a, a large percentage of the audience were obviously teenagers who very much got into music through that kind of stuff and yeah. for me i remember liking a load of that i was like oh this is this is interesting they had they had some great videos on tv and i knew knew a few songs but i became more of a fan doing the tribute uh and learning the songs and, and getting into the black parade album uh uh and the the kind of the ideas behind it and the concepts of it, and I, I, I was like, "Whoa, these guys are really brilliant." Why did they go over my head the first time, almost? Sure. Um, so, um, where was I going with this? <laughs> so, um, I, I think um, I, I very much had to kind of go and go and watch a lot of the live shows, and yeah. So the character thing, like I, I will, I'll kind of like repeat, um, repeat things that he'll say at the Mexico show, like, you know, rather than fists in the air, Mexico will be more like fists in the air, Barton upon Humber or, okay. <laughs> or Leicester or somewhere, somewhere less exciting than, yeah. than Mexico. But, um, but yeah, like just, just a few, few, few things like the, the whole surprise party for me, you shouldn't have and all that kind of thing. <laughs> to, um, okay. yeah. uh, a lot of most of the crowd will get it. There'll be the odd person who's just a kind of there because their girlfriend or boyfriend likes them or something. But yeah. but, um, but people will be like, oh yeah, he's saying the thing I've seen in this live show, or, and yeah, it goes down pretty well. <laughs> nice. Sometimes people complain if I get the verses in the wrong order because they're all very passionate. About, oh yeah, I bet. About the band. But, um, <laughs> I do my best. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think Brian, did you have a question about the whole tribute banding before we move into maybe some more specifics about uh, MCR? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, like, do you get a lot of gigs in the states at all? Uh, we've yet to um, we've yet to do anything outside the UK. Uh, we've we've had um, some European office. Um, uh, this the states would be like. 
amazing. Obviously, there's um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to jump through um, to you know to do it legitimately. I've been over there with a couple of original bands. I was I was playing with this kind of um, sort of Americana sort of rock artist who has a British band, but he's based in Texas, and so we went over there and. Um, one of my bands I'm still in called Trophies of Man. We went over and played like uh, the, whis- uh, the whiskey in, um, in in LA and stuff just just for fun. But to do it properly, uh, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of work to go into that. But some of the bigger ones, like I think some Pink Floyd tributes and things like that, tend tend to do it worldwide very much. And it seems like um, in the states, like a certain kind of tribute act is a lot more like attractive i guess to americans but like um do you think like rock band tributes are more of like a european sort of phenomenon or i i I don't know i've seen um having done the kind of the, the the aussie thing which kind of was nowhere near as successful in terms of like lots of people showing up just because there's so many people doing quite rich kind of sabbath tributes and and most of those guys are still alive and still doing it uh i i've seen some u.s stuff online on youtube and stuff and there's there's some really there's some really good people doing that out there i I don't know regard regarding my chemical romance it might be strange if we came over and i'm a british guy pretending to be an american guy in front of an American audience, we we have had like some people. We had someone from New Jersey who said my accent was was almost passable, which I took as a massive compliment. <laughs> sure. and like, oh, fair enough. <laughs> as long as you say it was absolutely laughable. That so that's fine with me. So, okay. uh, but yeah, it's um, it would be an interesting thing to see see what happened. But um, now the real guys are planning on doing it. I don't know how much of a market that would be. Right. Right. Tour worldwide with a tribute, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say no. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so this episode we were doing, we're talking about uh, the song "Save Yourself." I'll hold them back from the Danger Days album. Now, looking, just kind of doing some research on the Black Charade, it seems like you don't really touch on any of the songs from this album much. Is that right? We yeah. So we were talking about before we cancelled an entire year's worth of, we, we had a big year planned with a Fallout Boy tribute. We were going to do a whole load of, uh, like a, a large sort of club circuit um, uh, in the UK that are run, are kind of run by by, by an organisation and, uh, and and some shows outside that. And just, we had a whole tour poster planned and the whole thing got cancelled. We, we, um, we, we do none and none in the set. Okay. Um, and we were going to introduce a couple more songs um yeah i i i I like the stuff from that that album but yeah we i know it less well because uh we've we've focused less on it and um so um do you have any thoughts specifically about this song save yourself i'll hold them back are you familiar with that one much or i mean i'd I'd like to get your opinion because you're you are like you said a guitar player in other bands so surely you have an actual musical opinion perhaps about this song if you're familiar I like, with it, I, yeah, I've, I've, I, I had, I've, I've, I kind of, I'd, 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 I'd heard all the tracks on the album, kind of, uh, and um, I, I kind of went back to it, and I think, I think it, um, 
in terms of its sentiment, it, uh, it harks back to a, a, a lot of, as far as that album goes, which is a bit of, a, I guess, a more, a less kind of dark album than the previous albums, you could say. Um, yeah. I think that song has a similar, it's one of the songs on the album that kind of links a little bit more perhaps to the uh, to the Black Parade and to three, the Three Cheers material in, in that um, it's in more of a kind of minor key. It's... Uh, it's it, yeah. It's I I I I really like the song. It's it's very anthemic. I was just reading up what how, how on on how how a couple of a couple of fans related to it as well because because I knew we were going to talk talk about it and um there's um certain lines lines in there that, that kind of kind of link to sort of uh, this uh, this kind of outcast kind of aspect that I think I think rings true with a lot of a lot of alternative bands in general and particularly my chemical romance bands and, and escaping this this kind of uh, escaping a world that kind of bullies you or kind of victimizes you which um, which are, you know I, li- I like that kind of like anthemic sort of building yeah. to something positive. Um, kind, kind of, we're, we're going to survive and we'll be strong together. Kind of gotcha. element that, that, that they kind of get. I guess being a massive Queen fan and the band that got me very much into into, into playing music and playing, writing songs, playing guitar was Queen, and that that that's kind of where I I've taken something really strong, as well as them having Brian May up at, with MCR at the um, the Reading Festival and stuff like that. Um, oh, did they? I didn't know. There's that. that kind of huge aspect to it that uh, that's kind of like let's let's uh, let's let's get together and, and fight fight the bad guys, <laughs> fight the power, right. fight the bad. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So going back, just one more question about uh, the band. Uh, so the the name of the band is the Black Charade. So the name of the tribute band, the Black Charade, which is obviously a play on black parade and then it seems like based on the videos i've seen you guys dress in the more three cheers uh, aesthetic on stage is that is that accurate am i yeah yeah that is i i do a, i i do a cunning uh costume change um at the end of sleep because there's a really long ending i kind of uh i go off and then we do um kind of more of the huge video hits uh from that album and a couple of other songs for the for the second half. It's it's not it's not like a full half and half thing though. We were gotcha. planning on doing things more like that. It was more, I think, when they started that it was it was an e- it was a it was a quicker easier thing to emulate with the red yeah. ties, and um, they wanted to kind of make it clear, I think, as well that it, that it wasn't purely purely focused on the black parade. And so, so if we're calling ourselves that, I think having aspects of both kind of gives it a broader span. Gotcha. But we were thinking of for the 15 years anniversary doing doing the entire album. Um, oh, okay. Which we do. Um, I think all of the songs, apart from one or two, anyway. And the, yeah. And at the moment, so. In yeah. 15 years, that's this year, right? Because isn't it from 06? That's uh, yeah. That that would be this year. So. Okay. Um, so hopefully. Hopefully, if we're allowed to play live ever again, then yeah. um, that might happen. <laughs> yeah, we've rescheduled some shows. It's a third reschedule now. Oh gosh! Some of, some of the shows that were supposed to be in 
March, April, May, and I keep having them come up in my phone calendar, and I'm like, not doing that. Right. That sucks. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and then we we had them the the um, the, the theatre group that, uh, that that we were doing it for um, rescheduled uh, it for the end of the year, sort of November, December, and then that didn't happen either. So um, yeah. Well, fingers crossed something this year will happen. Yeah, hopefully starting, for, I think I think from the end of the summer, I think they're, they're, they're clear that everything, vaccines are happening and hopefully, yeah. things will be back to normal. But it's a different thing because it's uh, it's very much a, um, it's a business because, because you're not, rather than playing your own material where, where you're passionate about getting your own songs out to people, a tribute band, you're playing other people's songs. So yeah. a lot of people who are into it, it's, it's great fun. And to some degree, I feel like I've had more freedom in, in this tribute band than some of the other bands where I play for other people. Um, cool. uh, but if you're going to go out, go to shows and, and people, people can't, you can only get 20, 30 people in the venue. Um, it's not worthwhile yeah. doing them. Um, uh, at least, most of the people in the band feel so for sure it's very much we need things to be back to normal rather than socially distanced shows yeah and stuff yeah. okay so uh, before i let you go is i know earlier you mentioned that you you're in your own band um where you write original songs did you want to plug that or is there anything any other project you're working on you want to plug here at the end um it would be great if uh, uh my, my projects my main project's called star circus um started off as a kind of solo thing with um a producer who i'm very good friends with who's uh yeah um we kind of hit it off and um it's become very much a band and um we're hoping to we're, we're in the stage of like mixing and mastering the album now and i'm um, hoping it will come out later this year but uh cool. um, the, the album will be called star circus separate sides and uh the video save your life and the lyric video "Love Is the Enemy" uh, are on YouTube. It's, um, it's a little bit more of a classic rock thing, but there's a bit of kind of power pop kind of aspect to okay. a lot of the material as well. Um, certainly influenced by British bands like like the Wild Hearts and stuff, which have a kind of funkier sort of edge gotcha. to some of it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, theatrical the save your life video is theatrical in a similar kind of way to mcr so hopefully okay and it's, it's very much about mental illness and mental health and that kind of thing so hopefully it resonates with people and resonates That's with awesome. people at this time when things are a bit more challenging and for sure yeah uh do you does does that band or you personally have a, like a twitter or anything that any of our listeners can follow or we have a, a star circus instagram which is um, which is uh, DW underscore Star Circus. It started off, it was going to be Dave Winkler's Star Circus, and then I just wanted it to feel more like a band. So, um, okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, a Facebook page, and we've just uh, started a Bandcamp page, if you have that in the States. It's, it's like a kind of merch, merch website. Um, uh, yeah, just, just look up Star Circus on there, and... Um, and you'll see um, the T-shirts. Um, uh, uh, yeah, we, I can post stuff to the States if, 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 if anyone 
loves what we do and wants a t-shirt or anything um okay, my, cool. my girlfriend has a merch company as well so very nice okay and then i'll just mention also uh listeners you can follow the black charade on instagram i think it was at the dot black dot charade if i recall correctly and there's a facebook page for that as well dave thank you so much for being here we really appreciate it no problem guys it's uh good to meet you